When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, my name is Ben Bolin. I write some videos and hang out here with Scott on high-speed stuff. That you do. Uh, That I do. And uh, when we're not hanging out, we're usually out on the road. Yep. Kind of tooling around, doing our own thing usually. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell you, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for some of these, uh, what we're going to talk about today. Is this a listener suggestion? It, it is. Well, we'll get to it. But okay. uh, I am a sucker for some of these. And, and I, I just, I'm just curious about some of this stuff when I, when I pass it. Uh, billboards, signs, mm-hmm. you know, lead you 20 miles this way to uh, the biggest ball of twine in the world. Sea Rock City, for instance. Exactly. The Lost Sea, things like that. I, I'm, what the heck is that? I need to find out. So, um, these roadside attractions, that's what we're talking about. Roadside and, attractions. And it was a listener suggestion, mm-hmm. and that comes from Chris, uh, who lives in Audubon, Pennsylvania, who wrote in and said um, he just wanted to see a, a podcast really about roadside car-related attractions, um, such as, need a couple of examples, uh, the Cadillac Ranch, which he included a photo of, which is really 10 Cadillacs buried nose down. We'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, and also Carhenge, which is in Nebraska. And he also wanted to know about classic roads like Route 66, you know, things that would be along that route. And there's there's plenty along that mm-hmm. way. As, as that's a, a story for another day, exactly. Route 66. That's that's its own podcast. That's so its we'll, own we'll get podcast. To that. And as far as car-related attractions, Chris, um, I think we've got a couple of them here. All of these are, are roadside attractions that we're just going to uh, list off. We've got, a, we've got a million of these. There are a million of these. We've got mm-hmm. a few that we're going to mention. But, um, you know, everybody's got their own favorites, some that they would rather pass by and others that they have to stop at. Sure. Um, some people just completely ignore them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get suckered into too many, but I feel like I need to stop. But I, I know that, you know, I have time constraints. I'm traveling or something, and I can't do it. But I think if I had an unlimited week-long trip, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, just going wherever it, you know, wherever the road took me, I think I would end up stopping at nearly everyone. Now, I I think if it's okay with you, Scott, I'd like to advance a bit of a clarification with our definition of roadside attractions. Oh, okay. Oftentimes when people talk about road trips, they talk about tourist traps, Mm -hmm. which seems to be a less, I don't know, complimentary way of saying roadside attraction. But to me, there is a difference. Roadside attraction tends to be unusual 
and bizarre and in its own way one of a kind, whereas a tourist trap might just be a place that sells overpriced merchandise. You okay. know? I've got a I've got a separate uh, definition of that, I guess, that, that if what I've always thought of as a tourist trap is an area that would tend to keep you there for a long period of time uh, because it has many shops. Ah, yes. Uh, many, many shops selling oftentimes the same thing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. souvenirs that, you know, all look the same from shop to shop, but you have mm-hmm. to go in every one to see what they have because they have something a little bit different. Um, what we're talking about today is maybe the world's largest something. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's the world's largest pecan. Maybe it's the sure. world's largest peach, um, alligator, whatever. Mm-hmm. And something that, that maybe draws you in from the road itself, something that you can see on the way, or, you know, it could be just a a clever marketing scheme that gets Mm -hmm. you in the door. But whatever it is, it's meant to draw you to their their location to sell you something or to to get you near something where they can can somehow profit from that. I couldn't agree more. Almost always. Could not agree more. I just tried to agree more, and I couldn't, because that's how much (laughs) I agree. We're talking, we all know that road trips, no matter how much you love them, uh, even if you love them as much as us, you'll end up at some point having the tedium start to overcome you. You get mm-hmm. a little bored, and then all of a sudden there pops up uh, on the horizon a sign. And as you get closer, that sign probably says something like, what do you got, Scott? Oh, well, I mean, th- well, they're all, they're all regional. Yeah. So you may you may be in Florida, and you may see that, um, hey, I'm going to be able to see a 25-foot alligator as soon as I cross the, uh, the, the Florida border. I would pull over for and that. And the signs will start. 100 miles deep into Georgia (laughs) and say, see the world's largest alligator. Exit, blah, blah, blah. And then it gets more and more intriguing. And Mm -hmm. and you see photos of, you know, past visitors with the alligator in the 1970s, you know, and they're they're, uh, posing next to the alligator's open mouth or whatever. Um, Just things that try to draw you in from long, uh, I guess if you're on the road for a long, long time, It will it will lead you up to the point where you're like, well, I've seen this thing for the last hour and a half. I need to I need to find out what that is because so, it, it plants that that thought in your head that I need to to solve this mystery. So here's what we're doing, Chris. We're actually we're gonna see you car related roadside attractions, and we're gonna raise you a couple <laughs> other ones. But we are gonna mention the two that um, yes, the, the two that he started with, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the uh, Cadillac Ranch. Cadillac Ranch. We'll start Hinge. out. With, we'll start out with Cadillac Ranch. How okay. about that? Uh, that is in Amarillo, Texas. And uh, the Cadillac Ranch is right along where Route 66 was, the uh, historic Route 66. Mm-hmm. Um, it was built in 1974 by Stanley Marsh uh, III, who was a helium millionaire, which okay. I, I had no idea before this. A helium millionaire. A helium millionaire. Who owned, uh, he owned this great big dusty wheat field. And that's where, that's where this thing comes from. It's a, it's a uh, collective art project, I guess, between Marsh and someone, uh, a group called the Ant Farm. Uh, which is the San Francisco Art Collective. And they took 10 Cadillacs and buried them nose first, all facing west. Um, and it's meant to symbolize the golden age of the automobile. And it has Cadillacs from 1949 through 1963. So these wow. are the big old Cadillacs. Uh, right now there's a ton of graffiti on them. And I guess there's some kind of uh, strangeness about this. It, in 1997, now it was built in, what did I say, 74? Uh, I believe they said 74. Yeah. It, in 1997, there was uh, this development that was going on in that area, and they needed to move Cadillac Ranch. It's going to be torn down. And Marsh said, no, I can't do that. We're going we're gonna to move it. So they moved Cadillac Ranch two miles. Only so they, two yeah, miles? Yeah, this, this whole thing has been moved two miles out, out into this field. So it's, a, it's kind of a long haul to get to it now. 
but um, that's wild. Yeah, it's kind of neat. And and the the cool thing is that it's kind of it's it's kind of spurned these other Cadillac or not Cadillac. I just want to say uh, like automobile. automobile sculptors to come in and do their own thing nearby yeah so there's uh you know like a, one looked like a salmon i believe another one looks really? like um well, let's see i got a list of them here one's looks like one looks like um oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on this for now because okay. I, think, I think there's one later um you know what maybe i'm maybe i'm getting my anyways maybe these getting these mixed up but yeah. we'll get to it in a moment um so in 2005 all the cadillacs all these cadillacs were painted bright pink to uh for breast cancer awareness Okay. And, uh, but but everybody's encouraged to leave graffiti on these cars, so you know by now it's probably covered up, of course, because it's five years ago. So there, people are actually encouraged to leave graffiti. Yep, that's exactly right. And this guy, I guess this um, um, Stanley Marsh, he's a little bit eccentric. He's about, I think he's sixty something now. I don't know how old he is now. Um, maybe in his early seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, he he really gets upset if people steal his signs. I guess there are signs that lead to Cadillac Ranch or that are at the at oh, Cadillac right, Ranch. And yeah. if you get caught stealing, stealing one of his signs, I guess he can be downright mean. For shame. Exactly. Well, you shouldn't steal yeah. anyway. Well, exactly, but um, it's a little kind of crazy. So I guess people people are really just thinking about how neat it would be to have that sign. Mm-hmm. But if you really like the idea that much, you should drive by it and check it out. Mm-hmm. And then you can write on it. What more do you want? You know what? I've got. Uh, I, I did kind of do a mix-up here. That the uh, the other sculptors are along with the next one that we're going to talk about, which is Carhenge. Carhenge. Carhenge, okay. which is in Alliance, Nebraska. And Love the name, by the way. Carhenge, by the way, is just a, uh, a I guess a a motor vehicle replica of Stonehenge. Exactly, exactly. Stonehenge, which is in Wiltshire, which is in the southwest part of England, and I guess the, the thought is that that was built around 2500 BC, but um, that's Stonehenge, of course. Okay. <laughs> Carhenge, <laughs> built in 1987 as a result of a family re- reunion. Um, <laughs> wow. These people are partying a lot more than my family. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it was, it was meant to be a memorial to um, um, Jim Re- uh, Reinders. Okay. R-E-I-N-D-E-R-S. Almost looks like reindeers. I want to say reindeers when I say it, but uh, mm. it's reindeers. Um, it was kind of a memoriam to his dad. Um, and it's all painted just slate gray, just like uh, like Stonehenge would be, or not painted, but that's the color of yeah. the stones. And um, odd looking sculpture. I mean, it's really really strange, but it's, it's an exact replica of it. Um, I would totally pull over to see that. And again, there's the, like I said, there's these uh, these other contributing artists who in the area have built things out of vehicles, and that was where I made a mistake earlier. But um, there's one that looks like a salmon, I believe, nearby there. Uh, there's one called the the Ford Seasons instead of the Four Seasons, which is a tribute to wheat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, then something called the Carnestoga Wagon, which is uh, like a like the old wagons that you know they used to cross uh, the into Pioneer Wagon. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a, a car that looks like an old Pioneer Wagon. You know what I? I think it might be my childhood love of Oregon Trail, <laughs> that game. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah that's, I, I think that's what, what's making me love the idea of a car that looks like a wagon. I would, I'd kind of like to see these just to say that I've been there, I think. Yeah, because I've actually heard of Carhenge before, and you see photographs mm-hmm. of it. Um, I, I haven't been there yet, mm-hmm. but I would like to see it. The The story about the family making it as a memorial uh honestly really makes me treat it uh with a lot more reverence because Mm -hmm. at first i gotta admit at first i just thought wow there's some guy who has so many cars and is just crazy yeah exactly yeah they they i I guess the uh the community originally thought it was just a a pile of junk 
mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of it. But now there's signs that say, you know, this way to, to Carhenge. And that's um, awesome. So they've think accepted about it. it. They've accepted it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool. It's a, it's bringing people into the city and it's making mm-hmm. it somewhat famous for this and i mean mm-hmm. I don't, i'm sure there's other things in alliance did i say alliance nebraska yeah nebraska um yeah it's 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 just one of the sites that you have to see when you're there of course mm-hmm. of course and and these two these have been around for a long time i've heard of i've heard of both of these for, for yeah. quite a while and you've probably seen cadillac ranch i, I mean yeah cadillac ranch is pictured. iconic it's in films exactly it's in movies there's stories a lot of photographs are yeah. taken there um a lot of artsy photographs are taken there um those are some that are that are relatively permanent relatively i mean they could anytime they could be you know removed but um a lot of these attractions that we're talking about today that's something we should point out is that some of these may or may not still be here Um, that's true because we're going by lists of people you know some of these these are some of the famous ones from across the united states Mm -hmm. um some they can either be burned down torn down they could be just uh just left alone and abandoned um anything could happen to these so um just remember that as we go along that you know some may or may not exist so do your research before you go or decide to set out to see the world's largest ball of twine i like that mr b that's due diligence there because uh you guys what scott is saying is absolutely true a lot of times the things that people enjoy as roadside attractions can be pretty obscure or even in some cases mysterious mm-hmm. and i'll get to one of those i have one oh cool it's kind of cool but right. um yeah they may take they yeah. may require maintenance that's too expensive to for the upkeep boom and Dude, you're uh, reading my mind yeah, yeah. Just, oh sorry <laughs> no no it's perfect <laughs> yeah go ahead I, oh uh okay well for instance here's here's a weird one um that's kind of explicable uh meaning we can easily explain it uh from a book that scott and i have called weird us it's a travel guide to local legends and obscure uh secrets and of course it has a great has a great section here on roadside attractions scott there's this thing that's in amarillo texas uh called the ozymandias legs and yeah there are two giant concrete legs standing in a field off interstate 27 and it's actually just south of i'm gonna maybe you have this bit of information already but uh did you know you know who built those lay it on me I believe it's also part of um, Stanley Marsh's collection. Is it? I believe so. Yeah, I think there's a connection there. I'm going to have to dig into that. But you're, I thought you're I thought absolutely I remembered, right. I thought I remembered something about the, these legs because it's in Amarillo, which is the home of the Cadillac Ranch. Yep, you're I just, absolutely just right. Recall, I had never seen a picture of them though until now, so it's worth looking at. It's because uh, do we know him well enough to call him Stanley? I'll call him Mr. Marsh. <laughs> it's because Mr. Marsh uh, read the uh, Shelley poem Ozymandias and then. There's that part where it says two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. And so apparently he went, huh, you know what? I am going to do that. Hmm. And he built them. And they're, they're tw- like, uh, let's see how one is 34 feet tall and the other one's 24 feet tall. Oh, is that weird? So that's what he does with his crazy helium money. I know. And I love helium millionaire. That sounds like a band name, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's the new cool. album yeah, by U2, cool. Helium Millionaire. That's cool. Um, and then there's this other one. I, I got to tell you this one. I, I love this. I know, Chris, I know that you want to car things, but I think you'll enjoy this one as much as I do, as much as Scott is about to. Scott, what do you think the Integraton is? Integraton? Integraton, I Acura believe. Acura Integra? No. <laughs> think. Oh, um, no, I have no idea. Well, uh Let's decide that you want to 
enlighten and enrich mankind. Oh, and by the way, you're from another galaxy or world, or <laughs> okay. you think you are. <laughs> okay, news to me. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, then, of course, obviously, Scott, you build a 38-foot-high, 50-foot diameter structure and call it the Integraton. <laughs> Integraton. Yes. Uh, it's hmm. supposed it might be a real-life... Uh, let's make sure I get this right. A real-life time machine built on a magnetic vortex... It's on Belfield Road outside of Landers, California. Hmm. And a lot of people say it's a wonder of the world. And other people just think it's it's kind of interesting. But apparently, the guy who made it, George Van Tassel, has uh, a lot of background calculation going into it. And if you see here, it's almost like a dome. Ah, it looks like it a, looks like an observatory. Yeah, an observatory. Just and there in the middle, there's this chair that you can sit into. <laughs> and you can sort of... Uh, his, his mission was to change the course of history with the Integraton. Hmm. And so you sit in it, and it kind of rejuvenates you, apparently. And this is in Fairfield, California? Is that what this is in Landers, California. Landers, California. Okay. Yeah. Landers, California. Interesting. A time machine. Yeah. Hey, let me hit you with one here. Hit me one. Let me hit me with one. <laughs> world's largest muskie. World's largest world's largest what? muskie. Muskie. Fish. Muskie. I don't know what a muskie is. Oh, okay. It's... Well, you're looking at me with a puzzled face there. It's uh, the, This thing is four and a half stories tall. Stories? Um, Tall. Tall. That's the height. Wow. Um, yeah, it's 140 feet long, 10 feet wide. It weighs 500 tons and looks like a big muskie. It's, uh, it's part of the, uh, the um, National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, uh, which is in Hayward, Wisconsin. And if that's not good enough for you, then there's also the world's largest hockey stick and puck, uh, which is in British Columbia. And it was, uh, it's 205 feet long. Weighs sixty-one thousand pounds. It's over Jeez. a um, it's over a community center right now. It's it's part of their their building facade. Oh, that's now. crazy. And then there's also the world's largest pineapple. Where would you think that would be? Just take a guess. I'll just be wrong and say Hawaii. Nope. Australia. Australia. Yeah, I have no idea what it's doing in Australia, what? but there, there's got to be some purpose there. I don't have any of the details on that one. Uh, world's largest pineapple is in uh, Queensland, Australia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what that's so crazy i i, I mean know. we can't I drive know. there we'd have to fly there no i mean like okay the next one makes sense world's largest buffalo which buffalo is, new york nope nope this one makes sense it's in north dakota oh the, the state yeah exactly yeah. jamestown north dakota uh it's 26 feet tall 46 feet long uh weighs 60 tons and the cost was eleven thousand dollars when it was built in 1960 so it's been around for a long time i'm um, going you know i'm starting to lose perspective scott because when you said that, I thought eleven thousand dollars, huh? That's that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, Maybe I should until I realized I don't have a use. Nineteen, yeah, you would build the world's largest buffalo right here in Atlanta. No, man, <laughs> over at my house. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Um, there's all kinds of. That. I mean, the world's largest. Oh, here's one that's gone. This What's is a good that? example. This is one that people used to go to see, is no longer there anymore. Uh, the world's largest six pack, and I'm not talking abs. Right. What happened? to That's it? what I was thinking when I saw it. Never mind. Uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. It was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Did someone drink it? Uh, no, no one drank it. I think it's just been painted over, really. Oh. Yeah, so it's, the structure's still there. Uh-huh. It's no longer six-pack-like. Now it's the lar- the world's largest building that is six cylinders? Exactly, yeah. So it's gone. I've got I got one for you. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the world's largest globe, Scott. Globe? It, uh-huh. It's uh, located off Route 1 in... Yarmouth, Maine, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called Eartha. And, Eartha, really? Uh-huh, yeah, no. it's uh, behind a glass, a, a wall of glass, over three stories high, 
and it's inside a let's see it's been there since about 1998 and I'm looking for some more stats on it you know what that's probably all I have on it but right. it is the world's largest globe yeah cool I've got one that's the uh, the world's largest tire I'm loving this largest stuff, man. I think it. Is, I, th I think it's the world's largest. Actually, it just says a large tire, and I've seen this one in person. <laughs> it just, just says a, a uh, large tire. You no, know, it's a it's a uh, the big Unirail tire, tire, which is on the side of I-94 in Detroit. It's right near the airport. Mm -hmm. um, it was a Ferris wheel at one point in its life. Whoa. Um, in 1964, I believe. I think that's when it was. Um, but it had it, <laughs> when they put it on display on the side of the road. It had a, a a nail stuck into it because they had these run flat tires that had this nail technology, and oh. uh, so they put this nail in it, which was eleven feet, this nail. And then eventually they took the nail out and they auctioned that off to some local businessman there in Detroit. And this goes back into what you were talking about with brilliant marketing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that it's a landmark that everybody sees when they enter and leave Detroit through, via the airport. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I've passed by it a million times, but it, it no longer resembles a a um, Ferris wheel. Holy Honda, it's, Scott. It's, that thing is huge. I just saw a picture of it. It is big, and that's a, that's a Ferris wheel. Yeah. And, of course, you know everybody thought it was great and a lot of fun. But, um, again, it was auctioned. That, that part of it was auctioned off, and the wheel still stands there. The tire still stands mm -hmm. there. I don't know if it's the world's largest at anything. But at Gee, what would you do with a and nail that large? This is really crazy. When they were going to modernize it recently, um, they found out that there were people living inside it. Some, uh, some homeless people were living inside the tire. There were this tire is, squatters. Yeah, this this plate this thing is enormous. It's that it's that large. Um, they found these people living in it, and they said, "Hey, I don't think this is going to fly anymore. We got to get you out so we can revamp this thing." Tangent. Do yeah. you remember Pee Wee's Big Adventure? We talked about this earlier. I do. Yeah, and where he visits that roadside attraction, mm -hmm. the gigantic dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he actually climbed inside them, right? Right. I, as a kid, I remember telling my parents that I was going to run away and live in one of those. <laughs> That's a brilliant plan. I haven't done it yet, Mom. Plus, you told them where you're going to go. Yeah, I was a genius at yeah. that time. That was my whole MO, was the comic book way of explaining <laughs> your crime. <laughs> nice work. That ox and that lumberjack look suspiciously familiar. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you know where they are? I've got, a, I've got a photo of a huge Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Do you know where they are? Where are they? Crescent City, California, just off of Highway 101. Uh, there's a an attraction called uh, Trees of Mystery on Highway 101. Now, see, that's something that would like that. draw your attention. Yeah. So it's not necessarily you're there to see Paul and Babe. They're not you're, just regular trees. Exactly. You're there for the trees of mystery, but um, you also get this kind of treat along the way. Um, and these are big. These are Paul's 49 feet tall, and he has a 24-foot-long axe that he holds. And um, well, his boots are even 10 feet high. I don't know how big Babe is, but he, the, Babe the Blue Ox is huge. Mm -hmm. That's Huge. crazy. Yeah, so it, that's another example of, you know, you're, again, you're, you're drawn in by something else and you get this bonus. And, you know, for some smaller towns, uh, especially before a lot of highway exchanges and stuff were laid in, this was an excellent way to attract visitors, mm -hmm. you know, and pump up the local economy. Exactly. And, and some of them, I, <laughs> some of them are, I'll just, they're scams. Summer scams. That's true. And tourist traps in, in that, not like we talked about before, but a pay $20 to see the, I, oh, man, I wish I could remember where this was. Someone could write in and tell me. See the world's largest groundhog or gopher, I think it was, or prairie dog maybe. See the world's largest prairie dog. Uh-huh. And you go, you go to this place, you drive miles off the road, you go to some little place that has, you know, a, a, 
um, I don't know, a lunch stand and a mm-hmm. souvenir shop and everything, you know, and a lot of stuff you can buy. You pay <laughs> you pay something like $20 to go see the world's largest prairie dog. Uh-huh. And you have to walk, you know, down this pathway, and it's covered up and everything. You get to it, and it's like this big paper mache prairie dog that's this, you know, one two-story tall prairie dog. Wah, wah, you're thinking you're going to see a live prairie dog. Yeah. You see this this cartoonish-looking thing, and, and, you know, you're upset about it, of course. Mm. But I saw a few stories about things like that that happened. And I'm kind of guessing that some of this alligator stuff in Florida might be the same way. And I sure, bet in possibly. The nor- I bet the Northeast there's some lobster uh, attractions that are, you know, lobster-themed mm-hmm. tra- attractions that are the same way. I know that there's a lot of that going on. Some of these are legit. They've got the world's largest ever caught, you know, and it's it's yeah. mounted here on this wall or whatever. But I think some of them are a little bit, uh, you know, a little shady. Yeah. Do you want to call shenanigans? <laughs> you heard it here first. Shenanigans have been called yeah, on some, on some, on some, yeah. on some. Yeah. Shenanigans have been uh, noticed. <laughs> Right. Exactly. There yeah. we go. They've been found along the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got I've got one we can close out on a mystery. Great. Do you want to? Yes, I would. Okay. So first, obviously, we know that we're missing a lot of roadside attractions. If you feel like writing in and tell us your favorite, then that'd be fine, and we would we'd like to hear about it. There are millions of them. There are millions. So please be patient with us. Yeah. Um, so as someone who lives in the South, I do want to give a quick. Uh, a quick shout out and hello to Rock City and the Lost Sea, which we pointed out earlier. Yeah. Love those. Um, but there is, in our very own state of Georgia, Scott, a very mysterious roadside attraction called the Georgia Guidestones. Hmm. Okay. Have you heard of this? I've heard of them, but I don't know much about them. Real quick. Once upon a time, a guy calling himself R.C. Christian uh, showed up in, I believe, Elberton, Georgia in 1979. And it was pretty obvious that this was not his real name. And he had been paid by some people to commission this set of uh, about three really big granite blocks with the same message written on them in several languages. Uh, English, Spanish, Latin, Hebrew, uh, Swahili, I think, and a couple others. Really? And it was built so that like some of the ancient structures such as Stonehenge and stuff it lined up with uh, as, excuse me with solar movements mm-hmm. uh, you know equinox and okay. solstice and stuff and this had these very strange um, things that were sort of uh, kind of a new age ten commandments which is very controversial yeah. um, but they said they you know I'm not going to list all of that that's for a different kind of show but um the thing is, this is still up. Nobody knows who built it, still. And uh, it's free to see. Um, it is on a private field. Let me see. If so I wait, can... you're saying this was built in 1979? Yes, sir. It was that recent, uh, relatively recent, so yeah. 30 years ago, 31 years ago. Right. And everybody's just kind of tight-lipped about it? No one's talking about it? Well, people are talking about it, but what can you say? It's... Uh, Let's well, see. It's the, nice. mis- the mystery is who built it and and who, who built it and who why wanted it, who wanted it built. Yeah. Why? Well, Elbertson is also uh, the granite capital of uh, Georgia and in some ways of the world. So that's why the site was selected. Well, they they had really good granite. Yeah. And uh, makes sense. Yeah. And so these things are uh, altogether it weighs 119 tons. It's 19 feet and three inches high. Whoa. That's um, big. Yeah. And then it what. We- it rests on a support stone that weighs like 22,000 pounds. Wow. So this is a huge structure. This is really big. Yeah, this is a huge structure. Have you ever gone? I have gone once, and at this point I need to give a uh, 
due deference to uh, one of my best friends, uh, a guy named Tim, who pretty much compulsively explores roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, finally, this this one's for you. And uh, <laughs> I just wanted to close out on that mystery. If well, anybody has been to that site or knows anything about it, we'd like to hear about it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. th like we said, there's a million of these. You could you mm -hmm. could pick anything that you've stopped at along the way. Mm -hmm. um, just any attraction could be a, a roadside attraction that would have interest to somebody. So, um, yeah, just send along a list of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of mystery spots out there, a lot of haunted spots. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a, a lot. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a different podcast mm -hmm. as well. Um, Car-related attractions, you can see uh, the Bonnie and Clyde death car at some museums. You can yes. see, um, you know, just a lot of, just a million different things that, that are possibilities mm -hmm. here. And when you're on a road trip, part of it is really enjoying it. So, Yes, Scott and I have both admitted that there are a couple of bad apples there. But don't let them spoil the bunch. I mean, if you see some signs that seem kind of interesting, it might just be worth it. I think this summer I'm going to hit a couple of these. Uh, some local ones, you know, mm -hmm. some of the uh, the ones that are in our region, you know, maybe yeah. day, day road trips, yeah. things like that. That would be fun just to, to seek these out and see what they are. It may cost you a few dollars, um, but... Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, so... The adventure of getting there. Yes. And speaking of adventures, I think we have to go have one ourselves, so we're going to let you guys go. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Chris, thanks so much for writing in. If you guys have any suggestions, topics, or recommendations for roadside attractions, please send us an email at... HighSpeedStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.